Welcome to the X Overland Podcast. At X Overland, we're committed to living a life of adventure and to sharing what we learn in the hopes of inspiring and empowering others to boldly explore the world. Join the conversation as we sit down to share stories of overland travel and vehicle-based adventure with a broad range of compelling guests from around the globe. Welcome, everybody, to the X Overland Podcast. Glad to have you joining us. I'm your host, Jimmy Lewis, and with me today, I have the founders behind Skinny Guy Campers. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Jimmy. This is Jason Bontrager here and his son, Austin Bontrager. And up above, we have Donovan Fredrickson. Um, you guys, I appreciate you joining. We have some different time zones going on here. So, Donovan, I appreciate you getting up early and getting after it this morning with us. Hey, Jimmy. And, uh... Jimmy. Austin's actually my cousin. Oh! <laughs> my son. He might look like my son. I look young. I thought I confirmed that I'm yesterday up. that you were a son, Austin. So. Yeah. But I, I messed up my facts. I Thanks for correcting really me, Jason. You look really old. That's the first time that's happened. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Normally it's the older brother. Okay. So well, now, now I know the family facts on yeah. that one. Yep. But uh, Austin, I'm glad you're joining us too. Um, you. Jason said you might be. So, you know, maybe we should jump in there. Austin, what is your role in the world of Skinny Guy Camper? So I joined, oh, how long have you guys been going? A oh, year and a yeah. half? Yeah, year and a half. Yeah, about so. a year and a half. Yep. So I had uh, gotten connected with Jason. I had left our family's company had sold Jayco um, and I had left taken a couple years off. So I was just looking for that next thing. And, you know, Jason brought me on board and slowly started getting more and more into it. I saw the potential of the product and just, you know, he asked, you know, do you want to be a part of this financially? So yeah. he came an owner yep along with him and donovan so yeah and austin and i we we grew up and we were kind of like very much we're cousins but we're kind of like brothers growing up we both yeah. grew up in a family of sisters only no brothers so we kind of adopted each other at a very early age as uh brothers from other mothers if you will yeah. jason i can totally relate i have two older sisters and i'm the baby boy so you know i'm always looking for that brother and i i donovan i think you and i kind of fit that as, oh, yeah. as friends you know we're, we're kind of brothers from another mother i might say i well considering uh, our history and uh yeah i would i would say that's accurate <laughs> so speaking of history guys um something i'm really excited to get into with you two and you as well austin is is history your backgrounds in the rv industry uh, and in the rving world you know personally professionally your families um, go back a long way into that industry and, and into that whole pursuit of RVing in America. And here you are in 2023, passionate about overlanding and, you know, what I might call adventure vehicle camping, you know, this whole world that we were in now, this new space. And I, I would love to learn a little more about both your histories and how you got here, what, what that evolution looked like, because I think still in America today, especially, and even in Europe, um, there are a lot of people who are RVing or they start by RVing and they gradually work their way more toward an overlanding platform and a passion for something, you know, simpler that where they can go farther and get more remote. So, uh, you know, what did your paths look like? And I know there are two of you. So, um, Jason, maybe we'll start with you and then Donovan. So, I mean, we, 
we I, like like Austin talked about, we grew up in and were born into the ownership of a fa big family business in Indiana. Uh, company was called Jayco, and uh, I need to start out by saying that we're very thankful for <clears throat> that opportunity, mm -hmm. um, yeah. being born into that and having had that education, if you will, of uh, the RV industry. Um, the business sold in 2016, but growing up in it, um, you don't really appreciate what you have um, until you don't have it anymore. Um, there, there was a nice windfall with that sale. However, um, there's a lot of things that go along with a company like that, that you don't realize that you, you'll lose out on not having those services, if you will, the advantages there. Um, so, but you grow up camping, um, in college, I, I loved, uh, I frankly didn't want to get involved in the business in college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I moved to Colorado for a while and hiked a lot and tent camped a lot. And, and that's what I love to do. Um, so when the, when the business sold, I told myself if I ever get back into building campers, I would build something that's a lot more how I like to camp. Um, and that's really when Donvin and I were in New Zealand together couple years ago, um, that's really in my mind where I decided that I wanted to get involved with Donovan and what he had developed and, um, move on from there. Yeah. And you guys, like, so Donovan, like you, you two have a history together too. You have your own respective histories, but then you two have a history together around Jayco, uh, with your family's business, Donovan selling right. Jayco campers. So could you explain more about that and maybe how you grew up and what camping and, and RVing looked like for you growing up? Well, that's, uh, I don't think we have enough time for me to tell all the stories, but yeah. No, I've but, heard a few, you yeah. know, out there. They, yeah, you have a lot. Well, I grew up in a, with a very colorful uh, father and, uh, and uh, <laughs> we, uh, so if I rewind 30, 30 some years, my father was a car salesman, uh, living in Arizona and decided he wanted to uh, leave the sort of the city behind and somehow landed in Bozeman, Montana. And through, uh, throughout the following couple of years, he decided to hang his own shingle, selling RVs uh, kind of out of the house. And uh, eventually we, uh, he turned that into a business and I was 12 years old. My brother was 13. So we, we were just lot boys and detailers and uh, were, were there every waking hour he was during the, those first couple of years in the summer and after school. And so, uh, you know, growing up in it was a real thing. You know, we just had to be there to help. Right. And uh, but it did grow into, you know, one of the one of the larger RV dealers, uh, single point RV dealers in the country with uh, a lot of reach with uh, Jayco. So when we we joined Jake with Jayco in 1991 was our first year as a Jayco dealer. And, uh, of course I was in high school and Jason, you would have been in, you guys would have been in high school too. And it was, uh, oh, uh, year after year, we got more and more uh, involved with that We're to the point where we were a top 10 Jayco dealer for probably 20 out of the 30 some years that we were in business with them. And, uh, so Jason, and I had met at some point, I think, a, circa 2011 12 somewhere in there uh ish i i, I don't remember exactly the first yeah, time circa is good enough that, yeah. that's close enough yeah, it was more like five <laughs> to six yeah actually more like yeah. five to six my first one yeah yeah 
Yeah, that might have been true. I think you on your way out to college or out here, you were you actually took a photo of yourself underneath our big scarabee sign. Yeah, we did a big road trip in college around the country. Yeah, from Indianapolis all the way back to Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, we stopped at Big Sky. It was like 2000, I think, spring of 2000. We took a picture there. <laughs> well, then fast forward to uh, New Zealand. Uh, we were all um, had and another dealer friend of ours had discussed and uh, Jason's uh, Jason's family had discussed going to New Zealand to do a, uh, a hunt and to do some fishing. And this is 2019, uh, right? 19. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And uh, during that trip, I like so somewhere somewhere that the summer before that there was I started at Big Sky RV. I started getting much more interested in, in adventure style products. And that was more mostly in the towable space. So uh, recognizable brands such as Opus and Black Series uh, early uh, early on in their uh, their coming to America, campers like Boreas and Taxa. Uh, we started collecting some of these brands, and one of them kind of inspired me to uh, to kind of bring this idea that I had when I was a kid that I would love a topper sized product that had all the features that I would want in an RV today. So I kind of drew some stuff up and in uh, graph paper and learned a little little CAD program to try to put together a, a basic design. And uh, Jason and I were when we were in New Zealand, we kind of just started pouring over it and looking at it. And Jason seemed seemed like he was intrigued by the idea. And uh, at that time, I just didn't, I hadn't even built one, so I didn't even know if I could. And uh, so throughout the process of me doing that, I just kept in contact with, with Jason, sending videos and photos of kind of what I was up to. It took me nearly the entire following summer from that March all the way until December to actually get a working prototype. And uh, that's when Jason came out to Montana. Well, that's like another thing I want to be looking at, like holistically in this podcast is, you know, for and this is also like supporting anybody with this kind of dream. Um, and in, in particular in the space we're in, right, the overlanding outdoor adventure camping space. If you have an idea for an innovative product, a, a game changing kind of product in some cases, you know, how do you go from having this in your mind? to bringing it fully to the marketplace. And, you know, you all have done that here in the past several years. And Donovan, I even recall a snowmobile trip um, where we were heading up the road with a mutual friend and you had volumes of notes and papers. I felt like I was with a mad genius, Jason. And, you know, my buddy just kept looking over at me with wide eyes, like, who is this guy? What is he? What is he talking about? Donovan's just like, and this and this feature and that, and we're going to have this design that. And I was just, I was blown away. Like, we're both like, this concept sounds incredible. So, like, you know, went from there to yep. now it's in the marketplace. And, you know, right. you guys have several different types of products. So, how, what does that evolution look like, guys? How do, how do you make that happen? It's a process and you learn as you go. But um, obviously, there, I mean, idea is one thing, building uh, a couple is, is, is one thing, but ramping is, is where ramping and having the, a proper team behind you is really the, uh, it's a challenge. You know, um, we live in a world where um, <laughs> a lot of people, 
they, not everybody wants to work. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, it's, it's hard to find good people. So it just, I, I say all this to say it's, it's just a challenge to uh, build a company. Um, if it's the right product though, it'll, it'll, it'll work. And, and the passion behind it is what drives it. The passion, um, proper fundraising and yeah keeping the company going. So um, one of the things we've done lately is we've, we've launched a couple of new products, uh, partly to get a little bit more mainstream. A skinny guy campers up until this point was mainly known as the truck camper product. So um, we've pivoted a little bit just to diversify our product offering a little bit more with a couple towable products. We have a smaller product called the Armor Light, which is a small teardrop type camper and a towable camper. And we have the new Armor, um, travel trailer product that we just rolled out um, with when, when we, when we designed the skinny guy camper, I mean, it's built so well, I mean, designed so well, built so well. Um, I mean, it should last a long time. And that's the approach we've taken with these trailers. And one thing, and this, one of the to topics that Donovan and I talked about quite a bit in New Zealand was our distaste with, quality that you see out there in the RV industry in general. Um, I mean, manufacturers will build product and not always have the care that's needed for the end use customer. So um, our approach with um, Skinny Eye Campers is we want to build product that lasts a long time and um, that the customer is satisfied with and take really good care of them um, after the sale. So that's some of the the background that not everybody hears or, or, or sees or, or talks about as much, but that's really that back end approach that we've taken. And I know Donovan is, I mean, to his core is that too. He, that's, that's how he's wired and um, he's chiming in all the time on emails that come in from our info email uh, on this or that topic, um, trying to make sure the customer has a, has a good experience. Yeah. You know, the going back uh, uh, to, so, you know, Jason and Austin have done an incredible job on the on the business end of things, whereas me being out in Montana, it's not something that I can that I can get involved in it on a day to day basis and uh, done an incredible job actually turning it into a product that's repeatable and something that can be scaled up or scaled down if need be. But uh, it. And here, going back to what Jason said about it being built entirely different and the approach to the construction of it was when it came came to all decisions early on when we were trying to figure out how to build how to build it from the prototype, which was an aluminum shell, which we we ended up maintaining. But the interior was wood and uh, there, there was just there was just a lot of evolution from what we started with. I mean, the configuration is is very similar from the prototype to what we ended up with in final production, but how to make that correctly and repeatable. So we went down a process of good, better, best. And during that, that, that was, that was a fairly extensive process. Well, you know, how would we want it? Like how, like how would we, we want it built? And like you, you two personally, like, yeah. and, and I think there's, you know, as you've said, like, this is where your RV background, Right. I think has impact and right down to your frustration with RV products, not being the level of quality and fit and finish that you would like to see. 
So, yeah. you, so that that's inspiring you to create something that's next level. That background. Yeah, and performance-wise, RVs have 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 gone through their uh, ups and downs with that, and I would say pandemic era RVs were about as uh, not they're probably on the lower end of the scale of, of of performing for the customer to the expectation that they that they had based on what they spent for the product, and that was always a challenge as a dealer is that ebbed and flowed and. Um, but it was still in a it was still in a wedge pattern downwards, in my opinion, as far as being able to meet the customer's expectation based on what they paid or what they were looking at. And that I was, just want to jump into and share a story, guys. That you know, I remember um, when when I was getting to know Donovan, and this was a pre skinny guy, but he's you know a stand up guy trying to sell our in selling RV products. Um, but people, you know, they're, they're kind of labeled marketed as being outdoor adventure products and people would buy these and then they would take them on an outdoor adventure and run them down a corrugated road and, you know, into the backcountry, the Missouri breaks and come back and, and there'd be, you know, all these things broken and they'd be like, fix it, fix it. Why, you know, it's under warranty and Donovan, I think you, you were pulling your hair out some at the lack of quality that you wanted to have those products to have. And so, you know, that's just more inspiration. I'm thinking yeah. behind like why you wanted skinny guy to be such a bomber product. Well, if you like, if you imply that the product can do that by naming it something in that, or making it look like it can do that. And then it doesn't do that. That's that, that creates that gap between your expectation and your performance. Right. So if your customer expects X and you perform at Y, that gap is hard to manage as a company, as a dealer, as a manufacturer. That's uh, so, uh, you know, going back to what you just said, I, I like personally, and I think this is Jason and, and Austin's philosophy too, is to say what is, is, and what isn't, isn't, and just be honest about what we, what we can do and uh, let the chips fall, uh, and generally you have a, a much more satisfied in in user and uh so i mean jason can speak to that too yeah. well and jimmy to your point of the uh building a product that is not bomb we say bomb proof all the time we, th we think it's bomb proof but we haven't actually tested that i'd love to test it <laughs> <laughs> come, to montana. I, I, come on out to montana i bet we could find some ways <laughs> the advantage that both of you guys almost <laughs> you guys have to your to be in there <laughs> yeah. so um but no yeah so anyways to, to speaking to the bomb proof nature of this camper i mean donovan and i were invited to be on a a, a show last spring and yeah, we spring. Yeah. Yeah, spring you know, we from yeah. la up to we were at a show in la we were driving up to oregon on the way we drove through death valley and we got on these these just uh, washboard roads and oh my goodness miles miles we were, like, we were going about 10 miles an hour at first and donovan's like let's just go 40 see how yeah. it goes and we're both like just kind of yeah. riding on the ridges this whole way <laughs> and we get back to camp that night and the product is perfectly fine you know oh, wow no, no dust even it was one of the dustier roads that we've ever been on right gosh yeah those in eastern oregon oh, i mean yeah of eastern oregon it's i think i remember seeing some posts and footage when you guys were filming this is is that could we put a link in the show notes to some of that is that yeah. out there sure. yeah, it is. yeah 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 okay just, 
its divergent pathways was the uh, the production crew was uh, Rogue Element, and uh, yeah, yeah, they have they have another one coming out featuring the main guys, the producer and Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Um, he's he had on this last round of filming, he had that prototype, the the second one we ever built. Jason is on his truck for the filming of this most current one. And that's a testament to how well it was built. It's our second one we ever built, and it's still out in the field, taking, yeah, yeah. taking use. If I remember right, that's the one that you put a bidet in. That one has a bidet. You know how sensitive he is, Jimmy. I know. <laughs> he <laughs> loves that bidet. He's, he, he was very proud of that. We even put a we even put a, we even put a bidet in here in our in our company bathroom. Just All right, well, that's beautiful. I love. It. Nobody was laughing during the pandemic when nobody could find toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, who's laughing now? <laughs> so, speaking of which, I know that that is a proud point for you guys, with Skinny Guy, and and it goes back to your RV heritage. And that that is the fully functioning toilet. I'll just throw in there that I think you all are ahead of the curve in terms of the industry and overlanding space and regulation that will probably be coming. Um, just having spoke, you know, since I've been podcasting to people like Matt Caldwell, executive director at Tread Lightly, and I just had a, a recreation specialist for for um, from the BLM. Um, here in Montana, his field office is over in Dillon, but he was on the podcast. I, I was recording with him last week and we got into this issue as well. And it's basically, you know, with the increased popularity of what we all love to do, you know, going out and adventure camping and minimalist camping, one of the biggest problems we have where there's a lot of use is human waste. And so eventually, like uh, all the land managers now that I've spoken with are, are advocating or in some cases insisting pack out practices of human waste. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, the, it, there's no other option, the more popular this becomes than to do that. So people are going to be looking for solutions. They're going to want to be comfortable in those solutions. And that that is a, a place where I think you all are ahead. You're you're ahead of of where we're we're going, um, right. and, or and where you, we are. You're you're where we're going. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, no, I feel like when we're showing off the camper, I feel like that's always the biggest reaction. Is yeah. people can't believe there's a flushing yeah. toilet in the yeah. in the camper. So let's move into. You know, with I think back right, like so, you had this original concept. Donovan built the prototype. Um, and I remember that Donovan, like in, in the lab, so to speak, when you were working on that and now you offer this same platform for multiple vehicles. Like I was looking on your website, like four, four and a half foot beds, a gladiator model all the way to eight foot beds. So, you know, to help people out, like what, what is this platform? And, and, you know, you mentioned it being the size of a truck topper, right? Which, you know, I think that's that's rather extraordinary, um, but help people picture that and describe like, you know, what what the options are as far as different vehicles. Yeah, um, well, I'll jump in and then let Jason finish. Uh, but but the going down to what our original goal was is to create a cab high truck camper system that's a fully that can be fully featured, but looks like a regular like a 
an ARE topper, right? Same profile as a topper. So uh, when you look in your rear view mirrors, you don't see the camper. You, it just looks like a regular topper. So aesthetically, that was one of our goals, right? So mm. we actually uh, worked really hard on all the models. So obviously, the first one we built was a 6.5. That's because that's what I had, right? That's what we, and that's our biggest. That's our biggest camper today. Even though that product can go on an eight foot truck mm. bed system using an accessory that we that we have built to allow our 6.5 to go on to um, on, a, on a full size eight foot box right but that uh, created some complexity and jason's uh, uh in, in austin will be able to speak to the complexity of being able to put this on all north american platforms that have a pickup box that was kind of our goal right so what so what that meant is that we had to have uh, several models, right? So we needed to have a 6.5, which is just for your, like what you you have, uh, Jimmy, your six and a half foot uh, power wagon, right? A full mm -hmm. size, full size short box, right? But then again, there's a lot of full size uh, pickups that have the five and a half foot box. So it required us designing an entirely different camper for the five and a half full size. And then we had to drop down to what we call the midsize market in America. That's your Tacoma Ranger, uh, Nissan Frontier, that that had to be its own product. So those have both an optional five and a half, five foot bed and an optional six foot bed, right? So a Tacoma would be able to come with a six and a five. And so that created some complexity, right? So we had to get a system that would work on both of those beds. And then of course, then there's the outlier of the Jeep Gladiator, which in and of itself, is its own platform because of just the, the way a Jeep is, right? So uh, a Jeep has only five degrees of cab uh, inclination, where a Tacoma is like 16, 17 degrees. And what we tried to do is match the profile of the of each cab, right, as close as possible, which was a huge process that Jason and the team went through is like, well, what is the right amount of can't? And do we want it to look like a refrigerator box on the back? And that the answer was no. So it took a couple iterations to try to get our product to look as aesthetically pleasing while it was while yet not sacrificing function. Mm -hmm. And then the four and a half is something that Jason and the team are still working on for the EV market, right? Like the the Rivian R1T and the Ford Maverick and potentially the Honda new Honda Ridgeline. Um, all of these, uh, all of these st steps were like full. Now, obviously, we could build on what we already knew, but they, uh, the guys, the, the team really had to kind of almost reinvent the wheel each time. Not necessarily, but they had to basically go in and re-engineer every part. Uh, yeah, yeah, what did that look like, Jason and Austin, from a manufacturing side? That I can't even imagine. Oh. When, you know, it's such an ingenious concept to to manufacture it it's ingenious yep. now it was insanity in the beginning yeah i mean <laughs> but... <laughs> I, we kind of we did it to ourselves we did being yeah, so did. strict on okay cab high and also being able to fit a drawer system yep. so we did it to ourselves but honestly i feel like that's why things got so innovative and we yeah. got so creative is because we did not compromise on the cab high yeah. at all I mean, at first we started out, okay, we got to use all the same black tank, all the same freshwater tanks. And we're like, well, we can't, right? you know, like we've got to, well, first of all, we had to go out and measure 
hundreds of trucks, hundreds of trucks. Oh uh, we have a database full of, uh, we have a truck bed, we have a cab, we have a sheet that has can. 20 measurements on it that we've got to get. Um, and we do that so that we know that we, so we don't have to build a model just for a Tacoma with a five foot bed or just a ridgeline with a, actually the, the five foot fits the ridgeline. Oh, does it? Yeah. So we're good there. Um, but yeah, just, so we wanted to limit the amount of models that we had to create. <clears throat> and by doing, by getting all these measurements that allowed us to do that. So we just build a box that fits everything. Um, it's okay. not to that truck. It's, or that length of truck. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, the, yes. Yeah. And that's why the models are called model 4.5, 5565680 and then GLR which stands for gladiator. So that's why we okay. have And even if you have like just for clarification for people listening, um even if you go with the black tank option um with the camper on the truck and it's only cab high like a like Donnie said like an ARE capper or something like just that right like a truck topper. But there's still room enough underneath to put something like a deck system. Yep, you can put a deck drawer system in. You can um, create a, a drawer yourself. And there's a there's a myriad of other. There's Truck Vault. Truck Vault's another major brand. Um, Dino Donovan runs that all the time. Um, and there's a myriad of other small uh, drawer makers. Uh, I know Goose Gear is into building out um, a lot of canopy campers. I'm sure they create yeah. something. And yeah, SHW. Yeah, SHW is a good one. They're they're. Yeah. Uh, they're making a they're making one small enough for the envelope and uh the other cool thing is like in the absence of that there's just a cavernous amount of space underneath mm -hmm. you don't have to do a drawer space you can put skis in there you can put ice fishing gear you can there is uh, so what we did is we left ourselves at least 12 inches under the camper and all and going back to jason's uh, and austin's having to go measure so many different trucks and we did three generations of those trucks. So we had to go back to a Tacoma and then we had to go back three generations and get the measurements to make sure that if somebody had a 1990 or a 1903 mm. Tacoma, they could still potentially put yeah. our product on it. And that's, yeah. we didn't want it to be a very, we didn't want it to limit ourselves to the most exactly. modern, modern yeah. generation of the truck. Exactly. And that was a, that, and I'm glad you, point that out because I always forget but yeah that was a we didn't what we're trying to do is not say you can't put us we, we want to be able to just say skinny guy campers we make something for every truck you know right yeah the only one limits on that was the Hyundai Santa Cruz um but then you got to question is it really a truck you know what, where do we draw the line yeah 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 I mean some would say is the Honda Ridgeline a truck yeah <laughs> truck Right, right, right. Oh, no, no, it can get a become a blurry line, but you want it to you yeah. you don't want you you don't want to be limited to where you, you know what platforms you can put it on. Yep. So you really, even yeah. like going back some generations, you know. So if you have an older vehicle, way to the seventies, if you had a like an old square bodied Chevy short box, yeah. a six five would fit on it and probably look pretty dang good. I mean, when we go back, when we go back to uh, SEMA, we've already got one of our builds planned for that. We haven't started it but we have a i think it's a uh 19 what was it 1941 40s? uh yeah. ford it's a f it's an f 
F50. F50. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I forget the name. I forget the name of the company. It's a four-wheel drive. It's an, the fir- one of the first all-wheel drive trucks ever made um, for a consumer market. But we were going to basically gut it, use the body, and then just put all new running gear below it and mount a skinny guy camper on the back. And uh, Sounds sweet. It. So then drive it from here to Vegas. Las Vegas. Vegas. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. The old school, new school. So Donovan, something else I wanted you to touch on with this platform in terms of the innovation of it um, is the patented, I believe I'm correct here, it's patented uh, jack system that allows you to remove the skinny guy simply. Uh, it was certainly much more easily than most campers. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so one of the thought processes that we had is that we know so in the RV business, uh, a traditional truck bed camper takes, uh, you have to dedicate a, a fair bit of time and uh, effort to removing a traditional truck bed camper. Um, there's like a whole series of jacks and tie downs. And uh, conventionally, uh, especially when we were at the dealership, it, it, you know, even with the assistance of our techs, it was still a half hour prod- project to, you know, and to train customers to do it was even longer uh, when they did it their first time now right uh, and that's like your rv background comes into yeah. play here because you were the guy you know having just sold one of these units and watching the spectacle of of a whole team at the dealership and the customers and everyone trying to get these on and right. probably thinking to yourself there's got to be a better way so during the uh yeah so so during the <laughs> <laughs> the, the, all the, so all the the uniqueness of our product uh, came a lot of the, our patented stuff came from out of necessity, right? Uh, so we what we didn't want is like a, a set of jacks hanging off the side side of your truck camper, uh, a skinny guy. Whereas on a traditional uh, truck bed camper, they're either there, uh, bolt bolted on, and you can get quick release jack. Uh, mounts but they just have these big elephant ear sort of flanges where you have to bolt your jacks and they're they're kind of in the way so what we wanted is a the ability to easily add the jack system easily remove the jack system but the the jack system is really uh, only part of the puzzle piece of the puzzle here is that we really wanted people to not have to dedicate their their truck platform to the camper platform uh, even in, in in the case of an overland build we wanted you to be easily able to remove the camper, and I'm talking in minutes, less than 10 minutes by yourself, to remove it and store it and push it, put it on a on a some sawhorses with uh, some dollies and push it up into the corner of your garage and just and get get rid of it, right? And then have your truck back to do truck things. So many guys, especially weekend warriors, have to have their truck during the week, and that's uh, they need it for other activities. Um, pulling a gooseneck flatbed, what, whatever. So the idea is that we didn't want you to have to dedicate the entire truck platform to the camper platform. And I said that uh, already, but the idea was that we have a system that allows you to uh, basically slide in the jacks, uh, release a winch system, crank it up and drive away. Um, and then when you in and in reverse, it all indexes back into a set of brackets. So it goes back into the same place every time you mount it and dismount it. And uh, that's a big deal, uh, considering a lot of products, especially topper canopy camper stuff, you kind of got to bolt them down or clamp them down and then they don't really have jack systems. So you got to get you and your buddies to get it off. 
uh, and on where this is a this is a a reasonably a one man show to get it off. We, yeah, that's incredibly innovative. I I've had lots of different platforms over the years. I'm thinking about you know what's currently available and yeah, this is why like this is kind of a a mind blowing shift for me and that we talk so much on the podcast about, you know, when you're thinking through your overland rig, a dedicated overland build versus a daily driver or something you need to use as a daily driver. And there's always tension and conflict there. If you need the daily driver. Um, and even if you don't now, you know, you have this awesome dedicated build, but now you need something to do your daily driving. So if, if you have a system that truly is, is this, simple to use that would allow you know to re- the removal of the camper that quickly and that that really it causes me to rethink my whole approach to to a vehicle build right well in in addition to that though i mean so the fact that you can remove it quickly is one thing but the the other cool part about the design and again i'm kind of being a fanboy of my own my own product <laughs> yeah but we designed the, it i mean i can understand <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a bit of a yeah uh, uh, but here's the thing is is the team that's been able to make them cab high on all the platforms right so all the truck platforms so even if you do have a daily driver you don't have to remove the camper to do normal things go downtown and go into a parking structure to go to dinner uh if you're living in an urban area or a condo association that doesn't allow you to store campers outside, you, if, if your truck fits in your garage without the camper, it'll fit in the garage with the camper. And conversely, if your truck will do the trail without the camper, it'll also do the trail with the camper. And that's because we're so low profile, like a tree trail that has a lot of overhanging and brush. And uh, you know, if your truck will fit on the trail, so will the camper. So uh, drive throughs at the coffee place, the fast food, the bank. Car I'm laughing, dude, because they're at the local Dairy Queen. Um, it's crazy. You know, they, they make plenty of money to fix things, but for some reason they don't. And every time my daughter and I go over there, we look at the spot that I hit with my four-wheel camper and you know, dislodged <laughs> a whole corner <laughs> <laughs> the Dairy Queen overhang. They still haven't fixed it, man. Um, uh, and there it sits. So I've done that. And I've also ripped a fly rod rack um, off the top of the camper with uh, low overhanging trees on a forest right. service road, uh, not to mention numerous pinstripes. And I remember that's one thing I, I dug about your platform. Like when you close that thing up, it it's like a vault that yeah. you could safely like store money. Right. In. It's, it's just, right. it's that bomber. Yeah, it's very secure. Yeah. I mean, in fact, the exterior, the exoskeleton structure of it is the structure itself. So the shell is the structure. Our build technique is that it's built with about as much aluminum as a 16 foot aluminum fishing boat or six, five kit caboodle is. And it's eighth inch on its exterior shell. And it's also of an alloy that's actually quite impact resistant. So that tree branch onto the side of that camper would would dent your truck, but not affect the, the camper. So uh, the, the skin being uh, eighth inch, 125 thousandths is something that I didn't talk about before, but that's its armor, but it's also its structure. And that's um, that also makes them extremely like, they're they're almost military grade in so much as you'll have it forever 
also just to finish my point, skinny guy campers, where it is in the marketplace has not been done before. It's a, it's a patented product. So the, the entire design is patented and that that's an achievement in and of itself, but that's also a challenge, right? <laughs> you know, is that it's not, it's not like it's our version of something that's already been out in the marketplace that everybody's familiar with. Yeah. You guys, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast just, you know, to, 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 for clarification there is because in this, in this market, you have created a, a truly unique product, um, original, and you've brought it to the marketplace. And so, you know, the journey of that for anybody who's envisioning, you know, that something they could bring that's new, right. That's innovative. That's novel. Um, this is what it looks like to do that. And, uh, like, as we wrap up here, I'm wondering, you know, what, what, in your opinions at this point have been your, your greatest challenges in in realizing this goal and, um, also like your greatest successes to date, like what, what are you really happy with? I would say one of the biggest challenges was probably the center bow on the model five. That was one of the biggest challenges. Um, and, um, another, another major challenge was specifically during, during what, I mean, when RV, the RV industry was booming during COVID, um, getting suppliers to talk to us, <laughs> that was a challenge, uh, commodity pricing being high. Those were challenges. Um, all of that settled down. Like we, um, the RV industry is a little slow right now. So like, and the, everybody wants to work with us, which is cool. It's a cool position to be in. Um, commodity prices have come down. Um, I'd say another big challenge was just making sure we had the, um, the, the legs, uh, the financial legs under us to, to get, keep, keep going, you know, to, uh, make the business a success. And we've made some, some strategic moves to do that and we're in a good spot. So, um, we're, we're like where we're at. And so, but, um, I don't know. What do you think, D? Uh, yeah, challenges and successes. Uh, Austin, why don't you why don't you go? I can think of one giant one, and that was RVIA. I think yeah, right. with yeah, I think with how unique this product was, getting it RVIA certified was <laughs> a challenge, and the fact that it got done is that's a success. Definitely, yeah, yeah definitely yeah. a point of pride for us. And Austin ran that project to get that done. Yeah, that's a great. That's uh, awesome. I have a huge respect. You know, I, I not long ago, Emily Miller, um, off-road driver and Rebel Rally founder was on the podcast and she was describing founding the Rebel and, you know, having to push up, if you can imagine, you know, all the federal agencies to legally have a rally in the United States, the only one. Um, and the push that that took and the determination to persevere and work with people and to be kind, like you were saying, Jason, no matter what. And she got it done, right? And the Rebel is a huge success and they're getting ready to do it this month again. Um, but I, when I talk to business owners like you all and you know entrepreneurs and founders, you, I see a parallel there and that you're going to have these obstacles in Austin, like getting that certification for something like the skinny guy, which, which is completely unique. I'm just imagining the faces of everybody on that panel, whoever does the certifying, looking at this and going, yeah. what is this even? You're thinking right. You're thinking right. Okay. Okay. So kudos, man. Good on yeah. you for being able to yeah, fight those, that fight. 
those inspectors are very much used to conventional RVs. And, and, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of confusion. A lot yeah, of confusion. So, I'm, I'm yeah. not going to see the word. came together. <laughs> well, I, I feel like, you know, we kind of wrap around back to the beginning of this podcast. And, you know, I think of generations and I think of your fathers or grandfathers. And, you know, Donovan, I think even for your dad, there was a little bit of like, what is this overlanding stuff that oh, everybody's yeah. getting into? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the overlanding thing, he, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't oppose that when we brought that, that mix to the dealership. Uh, it was, a lot of it was quite frankly to do with my boredom with conventional RVs. And uh, we were doing fine as a conventional RV dealer. It's obviously it was our bread and butter, but uh, in order to keep some level of interest in the space, this is when I started exploring in 2017 and 18, I started exploring into alternative products and, and uh, we ended up building a, quite a, a nice little a collection of brands. I uh, frankly, I just went on, my philosophy was just go get brands that I found interesting and see, and then collect them and see if I can become a one-stop shop for this type of product. And Big Sky was uh, probably one of the first uh, real versions of that. Now that there's several out there, there's X Grid and RVs of America. Yeah. Uh, it's it's becoming a more common business model. But uh, we had the we had the ability because we were uh, quite a large dealer. Uh, we had the ability to uh, inventory the that product. Where a lot of the little guys and Jason, this is a, a struggle uh, that you and Austin can talk to about getting our small dealers to even stock and have the financial capability of stocking and. Um, that's one thing that I, that we had at Big Sky RV is that we had the ability to kind of bring them in and then, and then attract people from the entire region because they would be able to come and see multiple different brands and products. And we had them there and normally they would go home with something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times the product, they, they kind of already had an idea of, of, they were down to two different products, but we had them both so they can come to our, now that's a huge challenge with Skinny Guy is that product is so unique that that dealers like conventional RV dealers uh, can't even wrap their mind around it right they just they don't even understand it in a conventional and jimmy you've ran into a conventional rv salesperson it's a much different process than the overland crowd the overland crowd is is uh is quite a bit more educated on the on the on products that they might be looking at before they even uh, show the whites of their eyes to someone that might present the product to them, <laughs> you know, yeah, hundred percent, I mean? you bet. So, um, you know, that's been a big challenge uh, for, I mean, kind of finishing up on challenges and excesses, right. excesses. That's been one of the, that is, it continues to be one of our biggest challenges is distribution methods, right? So we chose a dealer, we chose a dealer model because we felt at the RV level, we needed some level of consumer support in the post sale in the field, right? Because there's a toilet, because there's a furnace, because it's not just a canopy camper, people are going to find themselves in need of service and support where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that became the logic of going to a dealer-based model. The challenge was is, is, is getting the awareness of the product where getting a dealer to stock and then let having the dealer have success with stocking it and that's right. and, um you know that's uh geez that's probably been one of like from my point of view that's been one of the bigger challenges um as uh, in the in 
in the bigger uh, scheme of things, there was a lot of engineering. On the business end of it, it sounds like you're yeah. addressing, Donnie, like the actual distribution yeah. and, mar and and sales of the product and servicing it, you know, customer support. Uh, the dealer network I issue has been one of the biggest challenges is what mm -hmm. I hear you saying. Yeah. 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 I, would, I would echo what, I would 100% echo what Donovan's saying and, and hats off to Donovan as an RV dealer thinking outside the box on how to bring in different more in what what he perceived as more innovative product um to offer to the bozeman market and, and i mean montana market <clears throat> um and that would be something i would encourage if there's rv dealers out there that are listening to this um i mean the overland space is is ripe for the taking um i mean they th there's so many great products there and um i mean if if a dealer wanted to diversify a bit and just bring in a whole nother uh, segment of product. I mean, now's the time, you know, it's there and we're all, uh, we're making product and uh, we're signing up dealers. Um, if they want to be one of ours, then they can. So you bet. Well, we talked about generations and I think, you know, especially like with those younger generations, maybe moving into the driver's seat, yeah, there, there'll be at least a, a dimension of dealerships that, that move toward the overlanding space uh, because there are so many great products and there's so many people who are passionate about this. So, and it's, and I've seen it really growing across the country, even like on the East coast, you guys go to, you're heading to Expo East here this month, right? Yep. Uh, leave tomorrow. Leave tomorrow. All right. Well, one last word, guys. If you know, for anybody who's trying to start something like this, you know, one of our favorite hashtags is hashtag start somewhere. Uh, what's some advice you would give someone who's got this dream of creating a product and bringing it to our marketplace? Yeah, I mean, I would say the from the from the design and the just con conceptualizing. Uh, so that's that's one of one of my roles in the. And this process was just kind of pooping it out of my brain, right? Uh, but the, obviously, the rubber had to meet the road. And going back to what you just said, hashtag start somewhere. So basically, you just have to resolve to, to try to 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 build it, improve it, and if you believe in it, don't stop. Yeah. My my advice would be, um, <clears throat> my my wife would agree with me if I said this, but I it's easy to get distracted and focus would be what I would say. Focus on that. Define your mission and focus on that mission. Austin? And I guess mine would be, um, you know, if you believe in it, be uncompromising. Mm. Just, you know, if you know it's going to work, stay the course. I love it. Very helpful wisdom, I think, for lots of things in life, guys. So, Thank you for sharing that. And thanks for taking the time today to be on the podcast. You bet. Thank you. Jimmy, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jason, Austin, hope to see you out here in Montana. Let's go camp when you get out here. Donovan, I'll be seeing you around uh, when you get back from Expo East, I imagine. Yep. Yep. All righty. And, and folks, we'll see you on the next episode of the X Overland podcast. Thanks for joining us today. As always, hope you learned a lot, have some new things to think about and get out there and get on an adventure. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps. We appreciate your support. And until next time, stay adventurous. Stay adventurous.